It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Brian Rennick. He's the legendary Al Sacco. And it is Wednesday. February 28th, which, by the way, is not the last day of February. It is a leap year. We get February 29th tomorrow. Uh, But something dropped today from our friend, friend of the show, Mike Silver, in the San Francisco Chronicle that I think uh, it has a lot of nuggets that I think we can chew on a little bit. And Al, I know you haven't been able to, to read the article, and so I want to highlight... Uh, some of what I found to be the most interesting. And then uh, we can just kind of uh, react from there. Does that sound good? It does. And can I just, I want to emphasize that Mike Silver is incredibly tied in. He's known yes. Shanahan's for a really long time. When Mike says something, you listen. Even if he's speculating off stuff that he's heard or whatever it may be, and like, you're going to explain the article to me. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. But Mike is a guy who is so tied in, not only to the 49ers, but around the league. When he says something, you should absolutely listen to it. I know a lot of people kind of wanted to get on him when he talked about Lance's arm fatigue and Lance not being on the team and things like that. And he was right. And Mike's usually right because Mike knows what's going on. So I can't, I can't wait to hear what he said. Yeah, he's he's known Kyle Shanahan since Kyle was 15. So Yeah, long time. He's known yeah. him in Shanahan's for a while. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the tenor of the article was just essentially, um, you know, the, t- the, the headline was skip NFL cap complaints. 49ers will pay what it takes to sustain Super Bowl ambitions. So right off the bat, I'm, I'm psyched. <laughs> like I'm geeked for this article because <laughs> basically what silver is saying is like, don't worry about the cap. The 49ers are going to improve. They're going to do what it takes to improve. And you know, he he starts the article by saying, you know, Shanahan and Lynch could, you know, could reckon with their overtime loss and and then just make choices to keep the team uh, together uh, and 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 just, you know, try and run it back. He said, but what's the fun in that? He said, more likely Shanahan and Lynch will fight through their shared trauma, get off the mat and come out swinging. Something that could lead to aggressive moves in the draft and free agency and result in potential trades so again right off the bat i'm like oh okay mike silver is saying like there's there's moves moving and shaking a foot in 49er land and and i know you and i kind of talked about it yesterday and i feel like we kind of talked about it with guarded optimism but hearing Mm -hmm. mike say that it could lead to aggression in the draft free agency and result in potential trades right off the bat what comes to mind for you well, the trade stuff is interesting to me because with some of their contracts, I don't know if they have flexibility to do that. If, if we're talking big names, I'd like to see what else he says in here. But the draft, I absolutely think they will move up or move around or whatever they need to do, especially in the first round. I think if there's a tackle or a pass rusher that they really like, I think I tweeted out today, listen, this defensive line is, is an issue right now. Armstead's mm-hmm. going into his 10th year and in the last year of his deal. Javon Hargrave is 31 years old and they can get out of the deal after this year. And then you have Bosa. Then who else do you have? You know what I mean? Yeah. So they have to be aggressive there. So that's it. Yeah, it's I can absolutely see it in the draft. I hope they can maneuver things in free agency. They're always, you know, whether it's Hargrave or Ward or whoever, they make moves. 
And um, but the trade thing has piqued my interest. What, what you know, what's what's going to happen there? Yeah. So you know, he he highlights uh, some of the things that Lynch said yesterday at his uh, media availability at the combine. And Lynch did say, I want to go after it every year. He says, I know that's the way we roll. That's the way we think. Now, at some point, you've got to have some years to take off and you kind of sit on your hands and still try to be creative as to mm-hmm. how you improve your team. But we're always about improving our team. And, and honestly, like if you look at, ev- at everything they've done, you, you can't argue with that, right? Like they've been one of the more aggressive teams in the NFL during the Shanahan and Lynch era when it comes to trades when it comes to free agency when it comes to you know bold moves like the Trey Lance move right that's a bold move it didn't work out but it's still a bold move and so mm-hmm. you know it, it it stands to reason that they're not going to lose the Super Bowl and just lick their wounds and 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 try again right like they're going to be bold they want to win the Super Bowl and so i just genuinely as a fan appreciate that because Again, it would be easy to just say, hey, look, we've got a bunch of, you know, high priced veterans on this team. Like, you know, we have to keep an eye to the future. But instead of saying things like that, they're saying, look, we're going to be aggressive. What that looks like, we'll see. But we're going to be aggressive. And and that's kind of what I harped on last episode was how are you going to get better? And it sounds right. like they are firmly with an eye on how are we going to get better? And so, you know, Mike says, no, the 49ers probably can't hire Bill Belichick to replace Steve Wilkes or trade for Micah Parsons or draft Marvin Harrison Jr. They're not likely to bring in Chris Jones via free agency if Kansas City standout defensive tackle indeed ends up being free. However, you can bet that Shanahan and Lynch are scheming. Tough decisions might be coming, possibly involving productive players who've had a big role in the franchise's recent run of success. One that has produced four trips to the NFC Championship game and two close Super Bowl losses to the Chiefs in the past five seasons. So However, the, sorry, the first name I think yeah. of when I hear that is Debo, because Ayuk, if he resigns and they said it's a priority, he's going to want to be a focal point, top one, you know, McCaffrey and him or whatever. So that's the first move to me. That's the first name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. If they can even do it because his cap hit is so big this year. But yeah, Debo's and the that's first it, name. And, and what's interesting is, is he does bring up some names later in the article and, and we'll get there. Um, he goes, uh, he says a year ago, no one believed the 49ers would be major players in free agency. And then on the first day of legal tampering, right. In quotation mm-hmm. marks, they uh, start the league year off by signing Javon Hargrave, which is not anything that was on anybody's radar. Huge. And surprise. so, yeah. And that was massive. And th- I, again, nobody, nobody was, that wasn't on anyone's radar. And so yeah, I had to look at it. It wasn't from like Adam, Adam Sharner or whoever those guys are. Adam, Adam Schefter with two F's really and two R's. R's. Yeah, it was shocking. <laughs> uh, Silver says at the end of Lynch's breakout session, I asked the GM whether a similar out of the blue move or moves might be coming next month. I don't know. He said, it's still very much a fluid thing. Then he laughed some more. He said, <laughs> normally this would be the point at which I address the legions of naysayers who fret over the potential implications of the salary cap and warm, warn of doom and gloom if too many big contracts are given. It's true that the 49ers can't pay everybody and that they'll probably have big salaries to shed in 2025 because of the way many of the current deals are structured. Whatever. For one thing, the cap almost always can be manipulated by teams whose owners and front offices are committed to going after it. And second, the cap is going up like Travis Kelsey's Instagram followers last fall. 
way to be on the times mike silver <laughs> um so he says thus unless your last name is york i don't i don't want to hear you complaining about the big money the niners might spend in the coming months sure there might be tough cap related decisions to make in 2025 but they'll figure out those issues in 2025 and so he says that means in theory the four niners can keep the band together and find a way to satisfy second team all pro wide receiver brandon Ayuk, and may choose uh or and because Purdy, the man who delivers the ball to Ayuk, isn't even eligible for an extension until next year, it's all for the taking. And I think I think that is one of the biggest things that I took away from this is mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I don't think a lot of people are talking about when it comes to the salary cap is, again, this is the last year where you're paying Brock Purdy $900,000. It's the last year you're doing it. So you might as well take advantage of it because it's, it's, it's going to have to be different moving forward but this year you're paying your quarterback less than a million dollars this is the year again to just push all the chips in and say we're going for it in 2024 and we might have to take a step back in 25 or and 26 or or you know or just 25 whatever but we still have the means and opportunity to just go all in and i just to me that is that is more likely than them not going all in again, based on just the, the, the history of what this regime has done since they've been here. says, now here's the tricky part. Shanahan and Lynch who constructed this team meticulously and adeptly know their roster better than we do. They know their locker room, which players are leaders and integral to the existing chemistry. Most important of all, they have a better sense of wished valued players already might be declining some of them in ways most of us can't necessarily see it's the third oldest team in the league it's true and not only and not only that but i don't think mike silver is saying something like that without knowing who those guys are that they're already looking at in terms of declining in ways that we may not see and to me that also screams bill belichick right Bill Belichick was famous for getting rid of guys before they started declining. So was Bill Walsh. So was Bill Walsh. Yeah. So was Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh always said, I don't want to be their friend because I got to cut these guys. Right. He knew the business end of it. You know, it's part of it. He says, it's easy for me to say, based on their collective body of work, that top of the market standouts, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Debo Samuel, Eric Armstead, and Hargrave should be part of any effort to run it back. However, Shanahan and Lynch need to be honest about what the video showed. Elite football players sometimes fall off quickly and precipitously. If the head coach and GM believe that applies to any of these players or to younger but well-worn stars like Christian mm. McCaffrey or Dre Greenlaw, they need to act accordingly and try to find someone better. According to organization sources, Many tough conversations already are being contemplated. He put McCaffrey's name in there? He did. He said McCaffrey, now, Greenlaw, Debo, Armstead, Juszczyk, Kittle, Trent Williams, and Javon Hargrave. Those are the okay. names so, that he mentioned. Well, I think with McCaffrey, McCaffrey's 28 or 29 this year. He's getting up there running back-wise. I think you have this year with McCaffrey, and then, yeah, I think <laughs> – it's just the way it works in the league, guys. Sorry, I know Christian McCaffrey is great, but he's not going to keep doing this into his early 30s. 
So you probably have this year, it may be 2025 with him playing at a high level, maybe 2025. He's got a lot of touches on him the last three years. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We said it earlier, we talked uh, a couple episodes ago about the salary cap situation and with Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel has a massive uh, salary cap hit this season. It's $28 million. But we also know that they have an out in his contract after next season. Right. And I suggested that they may not even attempt to touch Debo's contract because if they restructure it, they lose that out. And mm-hmm. it, it it's not as effective. But what if they are contemplating trading Debo post June 1? Do you think that's something this team would think about doing? Yes. I don't know what that does to the cap. I have no idea what it does with this contract. It, it, if you trade him or cut him, Pre six one, it's like twenty million in dead cap. But if it's post six okay. one, it's I think it's like twelve or somewhere along those lines. Now again, you get dead cap hits the following year and the year after because it's post six one. But we talked about it. Debo disappeared in the Super Bowl. Debo kind of disappeared in the playoffs. Debo couldn't get open in the Super Bowl. And I have to wonder, and, and, and this is interesting because I was listening, I was listening to Rob Stats Carrera and Grant Cohn had a had a show today, and I listened to a little bit of it. They were talking about this silver article as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that Grant brought up that I thought was a tremendous point was this Debo Samuel and George Kittle right? The yak bros were integral to this offense when the quarterback was Jimmy Garoppolo. Why? Because Jimmy Garoppolo was a remedial quarterback Mm -hmm. and Jimmy Garoppolo needed a lot of help. He needed guys that he could get the ball to quickly and then they could create yards after the catch. That was the whole, you know, that was, that was the whole thing about this offense, right? And it was because Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo with the the, the, throw, the throw more than five yards. Right. And the and just the breadth of the offense and and decision making. And and I almost wonder if part of why they signed Debo Samuel to that contract extension was because they weren't sure where they were going to be with Trey Lance, Mm -hmm. with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? They weren't sure where they were going to be. And they thought, we need this guy because he's instant offense. You know, he's a screen merchant, but he's really, really good at it. And let's not front on that. He's really good at that. But now with the revelation of who Brock Purdy is and how he operates this offense and the way that he plays the quarterback position, with anticipation, with accuracy, mm-hmm. with 
Moxie. What what does what does Brock Purdy need more? Does he need guys who can get open, who can run routes and get separation? Or does he need guys guys like Debo Samuel who you can throw a screen to and he can take it to the house? I'd venture to say it's the former and not the latter. And then yeah, the question becomes do you need Debo Samuel anymore on this team with Brock Purdy as quarterback? Or do you need Ayuk and another guy like Ayuk who can get open? Because what did Steve Spagnolo tell us after the Super Bowl? What did he say about Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy was dicing up our zones. He was mm-hmm. he was surgical. And so we made the switch to man concepts that we hadn't run in months in order to try and slow him down. And it worked. Why? Because the only guy on the field who was getting open consistently was Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Because Debo can't get open nope. with, against press man coverage. Juwan Jennings has a big body. He's not getting open against press man coverage. The only one who is is Brandon Ayuk. Do you not think that other defensive coordinators watched the Super Bowl and went, okay, we need to start playing more man against this 49ers offense? Debo Samuel is not going to help you beat that. Brandon Ayuk and guys like Brandon Ayuk are. And so when I read Mike Silver saying difficult conversations are already being had and that they are they are interested in getting rid of some players that have started to decline in ways that we may not see. I think Debo Samuel, first and foremost. Second on that list to me is George Kittle, unfortunately. And that's another name that I think there might be hard conversations to be had there. Because now that you know you have your quarterback, and they know it, right? They believe in Brock. I Purdy. think they believe it. For sure. And I, as yeah. fans, I, I, I think that I, I hope that you're buying in too. Is was, now the I'll time tell- to to start building around Brock Purdy, and then you start thinking about, well, what does Brock Purdy need to succeed? And and like I said, Debo Samuel doesn't really fit in that. Kyle Shanahan loves. Brock Purdy. He mm-hmm. he loves him. Like loves him. This is his quarterback. Brock Purdy is going nowhere. Brock Purdy is going to be the quarterback for the foreseeable future. Like you said, Brock Purdy throws with anticipation, right? He throws before you're out of your break. Brandon Ayuk is perfect for that. Mm-hmm. When this isn't Debo Samuel two years ago, the league yeah. is kind of caught on too. Not only like you said what the Niners needs were at the time, but how many end arounds are really working anymore? When he gets a screen, defenses are kind of on. Defenses are ready for this stuff. And like you said, mm-hmm. he's not hes not a great route runner. Mm-mm. He's not the, hes just not somebody who fits, like you said, in that when, when the Chiefs made that adjustment, you're completely right. He struggled. Debo struggled a lot with that. The other thing about Debo, Brian, he's hurt all the time. And mm-hmm. I don't mean, well, he played 15 games this year. He plays in games, but then he gets hurt in the games. And he yeah. got hurt in the NFC Championship. And then he, I think he got hurt in the Super Bowl, too. Yep, pulled the I don't think he was completely healthy. But that's the other thing. He plays, and it's just the way he plays. He plays very hard. He runs very hard. He's not somebody with the pounding that he takes on his body that 
you know, three, three years, is he going to look the same? Is he going to be just as dynamic? So the question comes to me with that is, where's he going to go? <laughs> what are you going to do with him? Yeah. He's got a $28 million cap number this year. Um, well, and, and, and that's, that's where I'm like, I, I don't know that Debo Samuel is not on this team for 2024, but I, I feel pretty confident in saying, I'm not sure that Debo Samuel is on this team in 2025, agreed. regardless, part, regardless yeah. of what happens in 2024. I think part of the IU contract is going to be there, you know, the hit this year won't be as much. And then, right. you know, as the years go on, they will, because you're assuming Debo is not there in 2025. I agree with that completely. I think that's going to be the situation. Now, the George Kittle thing you brought up is very interesting to me because, again, we we love George Kittle. What 49er fan does not yeah. love George Kittle, right? But I love George. Look at yeah. where George Kittle is in his career right now. Look at mm-hmm. where he is age-wise. Again, as you hit 30 years old and, you know, typically you don't get better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't go through and, you oh, you're 34 and you're playing great. George, George Kittle is going to be 31 this year. That's up there. He's taking a lot of, you know, a lot of pounding on his body. Again, I think I would run it back with him this year. I, I mm-hmm. would personally, but again, mm-hmm. 2025, we've been saying it forever. This is going to be yeah. a different team. You may have this an offense ride. centered around Brock Purdy, Brandon Ayuk, and question mark. And that mm-hmm. includes no Debo, no McCaffrey, because who knows with McCaffrey, you know, their year, another, all those carries, if he's still going to be the same person, maybe he'll still be there. Maybe no Debo. So yeah, it's, it's, it's totally true. This offense is changing, but right. With what Mike is saying, I didn't know that was going to happen this year. I thought those guys were all going to be running back. So that's really interesting to me to think what are their options if they do and what teams would even be interested at yeah. players approaching 30 with those contract numbers. Yeah. And, you know, again, I don't even know that Mike is saying that this is happening this year. But I think what he's saying is from what he's hearing, this team is doing exactly what you and I talked about last episode and what we mm-hmm. hoped they would be doing which is self-scouting and recognizing weaknesses and, and, and looking at ways to get better, to make this team better. And they're not looking at it through the lens of uh, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of, but basically uh, you know, they're not, they're not just going to keep these guys on the team because they've done a lot for the team. You know, they are going to, they are going to keep players that make them better and they are they are with i think a bit of ruthlessness will get rid of players that don't and i appreciate that because that is really what it takes and you and know listen uh, not sorry not to interrupt you but yeah. if, if if joe montana can move on and right. roger craig can move on and jerry rice can move on mm-hmm. ronnie lott can move on terrible happened with all those guys they finished their careers elsewhere nobody i want to hear it no, nobody's yeah. had his off the chopping block. When you get to that age and it's for the benefit of the team, it happens. It's not necessarily baseball where Derek Jeter is going to play for the same team for 20 years and you're going to put up with him, you know, not being Derek Jeter for the last four years or whatever. Like football's a little bit more ruthless in there where you're like, you're gone. Yeah. And, and speaking of, it makes me want to throw up to see Brandon Crawford in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform. That's just so gross to me. So gross to me. Um, The other thing that I thought was interesting uh, is, is thinking about that idea of building around uh, Brock Purdy. And again, like I said, I was watching that show with stats and, and Grant Cohn today, and it was actually a comment from a a, a viewer. And one of the, the comment that the viewer made, and I was like, that is a, that is kind of a brilliant 
take that I didn't really think of. And he basically said, with Brock Purdy becoming the quarterback and, and Brock Purdy being the type of quarterback that he is, very reminiscent of Drew Brees in that he's not very tall, right? Throws with anticipation, doesn't mm-hmm. have a rocket arm, but he's got a big enough arm, right? How did how did the Saints build their team around Drew Brees? Well, when they built the offensive line, where did they sink more money? In guards so that no Interior. one was in his face mm-hmm. or at tackle? It was with guards, right? And then they also had a pass-catching tight end, a dynamic running back, and one, like, solid wide receiver. And what I think is interesting is yesterday, uh, somebody asked John Lynch about investing a high draft pick on the interior of the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And Lynch said, he said four words. What was it? Um, Essentially, he said, just watch. Like, things are coming, essentially. Yeah. In regard to specifically investing on the interior of the offensive line. And so I think they might be looking that way. Understanding, again, who Brock is, what gives him the most trouble is pressure in his face. Mm -hmm. And saying, look, we're going to invest there. We're going to invest not in guards and tackles who are tremendous fits in the outside zone. We're going to start building around our quarterback, not our run game. And that, to me, I think, is a humongous shift for this team. And I'm interested to see if that is the shift they take to where they start building their offense around Brock Purdy. And again, what does that mean? It means wide receivers who can run routes and who can get open, uh, wide receivers who can take the top off the defense, Mm -hmm. offensive linemen who are really good at pass protecting as opposed to really good at run blocking and then serviceable at pass protection. I think, I I think they are shifting their philosophy and I am fascinated by it and, and, and genuinely excited. You know, what else is a point about the interior? And I think you're completely right. I think you start to build around the quarterback and that could be what they're doing. But when you look at these two Super Bowl losses and a million things happen within the course of a Mm -hmm. game that cause you to lose, typically not one thing but two plays that stick out to me one it was towards the end of the fourth quarter for 2019 mm-hmm. i think it was chris jones who batted the ball down yep. because of interior pressure because you had a guard like person pearson i don't know his name person but just sort of run in the middle mm-hmm. guard mm-hmm. just kind of stick in there and hope you know you can get away with it they've then never look at this had year. a good right guard ever no ever and then, ever and then you look then you look at this year you could say Feliciano had a good year. I, I understand that. I know they want to bring him back. I like him back as a depth piece. I don't like sure. him back as the starter. He got benched in Buffalo two years ago. The Giants, I know he played center, but there were issues there. Um, he had a good year with the Niners. But, you know, I don't know these long-term answer. But anyway, he gets hurt, so he's not there in um, overtime. And you have Burford there. And, again, that's where that rush comes from, where the Niners had to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. So that right guard position – two Super Bowls now, you could point to a play in each of them, at least one, where you said, mm-hmm. holy shit, if that play goes, that one play goes differently, they may have two rings. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's yeah. not, and I yeah, know there 100%. were a million other things that happened. I'm not saying yeah. that there were. Yeah. But those but two that's plays, one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that were, were huge. And it was because of the right guard where you were like, ah, well, uh, just you just had a serviceable rando. 
and Feliciano Grady had a good year. He's a serviceable rando. Um, Spencer Burford, I know he's a young player, but he's a serviceable rando. Mm-hmm. And Mike Person was a Pearson. I, I can't literally Person. forgot the guy's name already. Was, was a service serviceable rando. So yeah. you got those guys in there, and, and those types of things happen when <laughs> I guess you have those players. So so that's really interesting. But the Drew Brees, and I I saw a thing where Drew Brees even said Brock Purdy reminds him a little bit of himself, and there is some Drew Brees comparisons there. And and the way the Saints built the offense, it's it's a great point. Protection up the middle, mm-hmm. Purdy throws with anticipation. You got to make some changes. So. Yeah, man, that's exciting because I, when we're talking about all this, the changes the Niners need to make, we're not up here like, they're not going to do it. They're horrible. We're just like, this is what we see. And this is mm-hmm. what we think they have to do. And what yeah. we've seen with Shanahan and Lynch, for the most part, they understand the assignment. And it seems like they, they kind of do right now. Um, you can get into a middle million things that frustrate you during the game or blah, 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 blah whatever. But when, they, when, when they're building this roster, like you said, they are going for it. I don't think they're going to have a season where they're going to rest on their laurels and be like, oh, well, we're going to take a couple steps back or whatever. I think they're always going to try to go for it in some way, shape or form. And that is really exciting. So, yeah, that's this article's got me again. I don't want to see Debo leave, but he's not going to be here past the show. He's just not yeah. past the season. Kittle's yeah. in his early 30s. Love George Kittle. All time 49er. We're gonna. What is he top four in receiving yards right now? I think yep. or five, whatever it is. He's he's gonna be an all time niner. Mm-hmm. Probably not gonna be here in two years. It's just the game. It's just the game. Like I said, Ronnie yeah. Lott didn't finish his career. Here. They let Roger Craig go. Joe Montana. I know it was a Steve Young was there, but just the yep. way that it is, man. It's just the way that it is. It is. It is. And so there's one. There's essentially that was the first half of the article, and then I thought there were some interesting tidbits in the second half, and we'll get to them after this. So the second half of the article is essentially kind of, I don't, I don't want to call it predictions, but he talks about mm-hmm. prior before they make any any decisions on players, the draft, all of that, Shanahan has one significant decision to make, and that, again, is defensive coordinator. And uh, they interviewed uh, Daniel Bullocks today. They also interviewed Dave Merritt, the secondary coach for the Chiefs today. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about that prior to recording and, you know, trying to figure out, is this more of a Rooney rule, uh, you know, satisfying the Rooney rule, which is you have to interview two minority candidates outside of the organization. Dave Merritt is an African-American coach. Um, But to me, Dave Merritt, I I think is the home run hire to me personally. I think Dave Merritt Mm -hmm. is the home run hire specifically because uh, he has a wealth of experience both in New England and then uh, underneath Steve Spagnolo. He's been Spagnolo's uh, secondary coach for the last five seasons. He was a linebacker in the NFL for four seasons. He's also been a linebacker's coach, a D-line coach, and a secondary coach. So he's done it all, and he's just well-versed in Spagnolo's defense and the concepts and all of that. And hey, if you can't beat them, you might as well take one of the guys that knows the the most about that defense to not only help lead your defense and make your defense better, but also help your offensive play caller better understand how to attack that other defense if and when they face each other again. So to me, Merritt is the home run hire. But here's what I think is interesting with what Silver said. Uh, you know, again, he's talking about uh, Shanahan needing to hire a coordinator. 
Uh, he said he that he has entertained several ideas, including trying to pry defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich. We talked about that last episode uh, yeah. from New York. That isn't working out. And so he says, Silver says in his article, the two most likely candidates at this point are current defensive passing game and nickel back coach Nick Sorensen mm-hmm. and former Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. That's what, what Mike is saying. Those are probably the two leading candidates. Mike says, if the decision comes down to those two, Nick Sorensen and Brandon Staley, what makes more sense for a team trying to win a championship in 2024? Mike says, the answer is pretty obvious. For all the grief Staley received during his three-year tenure as Chargers head coach, he has proven to be an elite NFL defensive coordinator under suboptimal circumstances. Hired by Rams head coach Sean McVay after the 2019 season, shortly before the league and the world shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Staley spent his first few months on the job installing his defensive system and teaching it to his players over Zoom. That's not an easy thing to do. As a mm-hmm. as an educator, as, a, as an independent study educator who teaches over Zoom, that's not easy to do. I can speak to that with authority. I do it as a job. It's not easy, right? And so in order to be good at that, you have to be good at communicating. You have to be good at teaching. He said the results were amazing. The Rams had finished the previous season with the league's 13th ranked defense, but shot up to number one in 2020. And then Staley was in play for jobs and ended up in LA. He said, no, his Chargers teams weren't at the at that same level defensively. Yes, Staley surely has been humbled. The bottom line is that Staley is a huge admirer of Shanahan who has worked closely and effectively with Shanahan's chief coaching rival. And by coming north, Staley would have a stellar opportunity to resurrect his reputation. Not only that, but he says Staley's a Vic Fangio protege who would retain the 40s, 49ers wide nine front, likely keeping linebackers Fred Warner and Greenlaw in their current roles. And Staley would tweak things on the back end, deploying the secondary and cloud coverage. Granted, that's what Wilkes, who was also an accomplished secondary coach, did. Uh, but it didn't work out the way that Shanahan wanted. Uh, but it doesn't mean Staley and the Fangio top principles won't be a better fit. And on Tuesday, Lynch was asked whether his stated desire to retain the 49ers' current defensive identity ruled out Staley. Lynch indicated basically the opposite, explaining that you always have to evolve and bringing up the fact that Sala employed the wide nine into the Seattle defense because they hired Chris Kasurik in 2019, and it was a way to help evolve that scheme. And so, again, just because Staley, you know, ran what he ran with the Rams, ran what he ran with the Chargers, doesn't mean that he can't come in and run what he wants to, what Shanahan wants to run. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but Staley has a proven track record as a defensive play caller granted one season, but that one season was elite. And so to me, it sounds like Mike Silver's kind of priming the pump that Brandon Staley might be the leader in the clubhouse. Sorensen's an odd choice. And I know um, Matt Barrows was on Tim Kawakami and he actually said that he heard from people around um, the combine. They had a hard time seeing Staley, but when silver comes out with this, again, I really trust what Mike says. And Barrows thought that Sorensen was a front runner. It's just weird to me because he's he was the 49ers defensive passing game Nichols coach this past year. And last mm-hmm. year he was a defensive assistant with them. Before that, in 2021, he was a special teams coordinator for the Jags. 
And he also had coached linebackers for the Niners when their current linebacker coach had taken some medical time. So he's kind of a bit of a jack of all trades. I get that. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's a risky hire. I mean, this isn't a guy with any kind of defensive coordinator experience. It looks like you're going on faith in what you've seen. Doesn't seem like an up and rising star like D'Amico Ryans was. So I thought the Sorensen, I was coming hearing it. I'm like, really? And we just talked about the Niners like going all in and all this other stuff. And you're like, he's your hire for your defensive coordinator. And look, these guys, for the most part, have a great track record hiring coaches. Shanahan has a mm-hmm. terrific eye for talent, especially with, you know, within his own coaches or whatever. So if they hired him, I'm going to say, okay, you know, let, let me see what happens here. But I kind of agree with that sentiment. We're like, look at what they're talking about here with going all in again right. and being aggressive and, why you know Brandon Staley again not a great head coach Steve Spagnuolo not a great head coach (laughs) at least it didn't work out well for him there it doesn't mean he can't be successful as a coordinator and if Kyle's comfortable with him you know again I I can see that so it'd be interesting man some of the guys you know Merritt's another guy that I would be excited about feel like he's coming from that Spagnuolo tree Mm -hmm. um you know but Sorensen you know Bullocks these guys have been in the building why didn't they get the job last year that's kind of where I am with that's the biggest question for me you know what I mean so now are you You've all this excitement again, and we're rolling it back, and and we're just going to promote a guy that we didn't think we would want to promote last year. It's really strange. So we'll see what happens. Who knows? Yep. By the time this podcast comes out, maybe we'll know. But um, it's really interesting. Yeah, and you know, like I said, we respect Mike. We know how connected Mike is. Mm-hmm. Mike doesn't write things that you know are far fetched or very unlikely to happen, right? Um, and so again, with, with Mike kind of basically saying, Hey, you know, Brandon Staley kind of seems like the leader in the clubhouse to me more so simply because like you said, if you're going all in, how are you going all in with a first time defensive play caller? That doesn't make sense to me unless it's somebody like Merritt who has, I think I think he has 27 years of coaching experience in uh, in the NFL and has, you know, a wealth of knowledge about multiple different schemes. That's a guy that I would be willing to roll the dice on, Mm -hmm. but a guy that I've had with me for seven years already, and I haven't been willing to roll the dice on Daniel Bullock's. And then a guy that has been here for a few years and, you know, has done a, a handful of things, but you know, the only time he coordinated anything was a, special teams coordinator that just doesn't seem like a gamble I'm willing to take when one of my other options is a guy that has proven it again, albeit for one season at the mm-hmm. NFL level with the best defense in the NFL and Brandon Staley. So to me, it, it, I'm just ready for them to make the hire because like that's the first domino to fall. Uh, and then once that goes, then, then it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, how they attack free agency, what the draft looks like and everything. But all I know, and, and I know you said it earlier, this Mike Silver article has me really excited about this offseason. And I don't know that I was as excited yesterday as I am today after reading Mike's article. Never a dull moment, Brian. Not with this team. <laughs> never. never. Never a dull moment. All right. I've been saying that I'm going to talk about the Shanahan coach comparison forever. So let, let me get into that a little bit. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to take too long to go over, but I just was thinking with Kyle, like, have we seen a run like this where someone's been this good and gotten to multiple Super Bowls and they haven't been able to get over the hump? So I just started looking at some names and doing some research. So 
26 head coaches have been in multiple Super Bowls. Only five have not won at least one. It's Marv Levy, Dan Reeves, uh, Bud Grant was coach of the Vikings in the 70s, John Fox, and Kyle Shanahan. That's it. So, like, what kind of company is he in? And everybody wants to compare him to Andy Reid, and I, I think that's a good comparison. And what you have to remember about Kyle, what is he, 44 years old, 43 years old? He's mm-hmm. a young man. He could coach for another 20 years. So right. his book is far from written. He may end up being yes. a 30-year head coach and have two or three Super Bowl wins by the time it's all said and done. We don't we don't know. But I just for for right now, kind of comparing what he what he's gone through. And Reed is a good comparison. So Andy Reed from 2001 to 2004, which was a four-year span, they made the NFC Championship game all four years, mm-hmm. and they lost the one Super Bowl that they that they got to. So he was one in three in NFC Championship games and lost the Super Bowl. Good comparison, especially because younger coach. We'll see what happened with Reed. But the other three guys that he really compared to, and I thought this was interesting because they've never won a Super Bowl. It just mm-hmm. didn't happen for them. Dan Reeves from 1986 to 1991 with the Denver Broncos. John Elway is his quarterback. He made four AFC Championships games in those six years. He made three Super Bowls. He lost all three. He got to another one with the Falcons later in his career. He lost that one, too. He ended up being 0-4. Brutal. Marv Levy from 1988 to 1993. Six years, five AFC Championship games. Mm -hmm. And we know the Bills, they lost four straight Super Bowls. and, And Levy never won a Super Bowl. Bud Grant is the other guy. Um, not pretend I know much know much about Bud Grant. Yeah. 1973 <laughs> through 1977, <laughs> I wasn't born yet. But in five years, he made four NFC championship games and went 0-3 in the Super Bowl, and he ended up losing another one down the line, too. So John Fox was the other guy, and, and Fox had a Super Bowl appearance. It was, I don't have it in front of me, but it was with the Panthers, I think, in 2003, mm-hmm. and then yep. all the way again with the Broncos in 2013. Mm-hmm. So it was two different teams 10 years apart doesn't really compare to what what Kyle has done with the short-term dominance like Kyle right. had with four NFC championship games in five seasons, two and two in those games, oh and two in the Super Bowl. So yeah, Kyle Shannon could be Andy Reid. could also be Dan Reeves. could also be Marv Levy. He could also be Bud Grant, right? Those guys, those guys have to hang their head about anything. They won a lot of games, especially Marv Levy. Marv Levy is loved in Buffalo. Yeah. He didn't get it done. So right now, those are the only stretches that I could find in, in the history of the league, unless I'm missing something. If somebody knows, let me know. Where you we've had coaches who have been to multiple championship game, conference championship games, like three, four, five, and five or six years, been to multiple Super Bowls in that time and not won any of them. There's really only those three guys. And then if you want to throw Andy Reid in there with just the one Super Bowl. So I thought that was really interesting that Kyle has been like all-time heartbreak in terms of a head coach. When you throw his coordinator job in there too, when he had another close call and and Mm -hmm. they lost the way that they did, he has been all time, all time heartache with head coaches. There's only a few guys that, that, that stack up to it and stack up to it. I should say. And again, if anyone else knows anything else, let me know. But to me, these are the ultimate Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, Bud Grant, Kyle Shannon right now are the heartbreak of coaches. Yeah, the only reason why um, you know he doesn't fully match up with Andy Reid is because Andy Reid only lost one, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. he only got to one and he, and he lost it, but he only lost one. Uh, I saw something the other day that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, again comparing Kyle Shanahan to Andy Reid. You know, Andy Reid made four NFC Championship games in his first six seasons in in uh, in Philly. Kyle made four in his first seven seasons in San Francisco. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid uh, lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots, which gave uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady their third Super Bowl. And then Kyle Shanahan lost this year's Super Bowl to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, giving them their third Super Bowl. And I was just like, ouch, man. <laughs> like the parallels are the parallels mm-hmm. are just too much. Oh, and that was the other thing is that Andy Reid's reputation, which again only changed because he won the Super Bowl. But Andy Reid's reputation until he won the Super Bowl was he was poor at clock management and game oh, management. And that yep. is that's what everyone said. That was a mm-hmm. big knock on him. Terrible. And that is, and that is what yep. people say about Kyle Shanahan currently. And it's only because he hasn't won. Because Andy Reid hasn't gotten better at it. He still makes weird decisions. He still doesn't manage the clock as well. He's better. He's he's better than he was, but they don't talk about it anymore because he won a Super Bowl. Now he's won three. Because he has so, Michael Jordan. Like, Right. Exactly. Michael Jordan. Exactly. Not that Andy Reid is not a terrific coach. Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach. Yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely. But it helps when you have Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, kudos to Andy Reid for bringing in Steve Spagnuolo, who you you could argue is the reason they have three Super Bowls right now, because I think without Spagnuolo, I don't know that they win three Super Bowls because they've won three with Spagnuolo. And so, Prior to that, it was their defense that kept them from, you know, from advancing to the Super Bowl um, or advancing in the playoffs. And then, you know, Spags comes in and and, you know, here we are. So, again, you know, Kyle Shanahan just needs to find his Spags, man. Find your Spags. You found your quarterback. He's not Michael Jordan like uh, like like Patrick Mahomes is. But, hey, maybe you found your Larry Bird. You know, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe you found your Steph Curry, right? Who knows? But what we do know is that Kyle loves the guy that he's found, and now it's time to build around him, and it sounds like they're ready to be aggressive about it, and that bodes well for us as content creators, but it also bodes well for us as fans, and it bodes well for the 49ers and their 2024 season future. And I'm just excited about it, and it'll be interesting to see how things go. I think by the end of this week we'll hear – who they end up hiring for defensive coordinator. And then it is on to draft prep. Yep. And the next two months are going to be fun. You got free agency around the corner, and this is a huge draft for the Niners, which we'll talk about at nauseum over the next whatever two months or whatever it is. So it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait to do it. I rarely am I this excited, I think, in March and April, but I really am this year to, to go over this stuff. So it'll be cool. So all right, we gotta go. We're out of here. Light up. Nine zero three. One zero three. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 